roster is having a lot of fun, right? I think our, we've experienced a lot of team growth. We have some incredible people. We've been really privileged to retain nearly every single person that we wanted to and that we've hired. Um, and we, you know, we want to make sure we maintain that team culture as we continue to grow. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Daniel, accompanied by our guest for the week, Seif, and today we are the Two Smart Assets. For those not familiar with Seif, he's helped thousands diversify into real estate after spending nearly five years at Facebook, where he built the second largest engineering organization across the world. And today, he's the founder of TechVestor, which helps which helps real estate investors and busy professionals passively invest in the emerging asset class of short-term rentals. Seif, my man, it is great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Danny. Thanks for uh, partnering with us last year on our first portfolio. Yeah, man, that thing is on fire right now. You guys are absolutely crushing it. So super pumped to be a part of that one. Uh, looking forward to uh, being on this next one as well. So uh, but yeah, man, um, also excited about the conversation we're going to have today. I know you're going to provide a lot of good insights about the short-term rental space. But before we dive into that, man, tell us more, you know, kind of about yourself and then why you decided to expand into real estate after being in tech for so long. Yeah, you know, I think like a lot of people for me, it was just like finding the balance between time and money. Right. I was a, I was a, becoming a father. I, you know, I had a father who worked all the time and, you know, he needed to, right. I didn't understand a lot of that until I was much older and definitely appreciated him. So I wanted to be in a position where I wasn't necessarily exchanging time for money as the old adage goes. Um, and specifically the short-term rental industry was ripe for disruption as they like to call it in the tech world. So that was always interesting, uh, to me, but, uh, you know, I think the, uh, our real estate journey really grew much, much faster than when we expected. And I think that's a good testament to just taking action in the industry. Absolutely, man. You guys are crushing it. And so, you know, having that tech background, how has that benefited you as a real estate investor? What things have you kind of, obviously you guys have meshed that together with, with TechVestor itself, but there's gotta be some things that you really benefited from, from having that tech background. I mean, honestly, everything. I actually don't think we would have started this company if we didn't have a tech background because, mm. you know, if you look at everything that we do, it's not supposed to be possible if you look at it from a real estate <laughs> lens, right? Right. Um, it's not supposed to be scalable. It's not supposed to work remotely. It's not supposed to work and beat out competitors this quote easily. Um, and I think for us having a tech background, I think we were, we were forced and privileged at the same time to think about problems differently and think about them for scale. And I think naturally with your typical real estate, private equity background, it's, you know, here's how this works on the ground. And while there's huge advantages to that, we kind of have that blend, right, of on the ground workforce, right, because of our team, plus the technology component to where we can actually solve problems with technology and build infrastructure and build tools. It's not about throwing money and labor at a problem, right? It's like, you know, let's go build this, like, you know, fun little fact, right? We underwrite over 100,000 properties a month. We collect, geez, almost half a million data points a month right across our, our, our properties and all of it sinks right into our dashboard so we can better understand how they're doing. And that's a huge competitive advantage to how we can perform better in you know, pricing and the experience and what about what to buy next and how to operate better and where there's problems. Like right now we're going through a complete overhaul um, of our property management infrastructure. 
because we recognize that, you know, things broke a bit when you went from 20 doors to 120 <laughs> doors, right? And, you know, as they went, but the good news is like, we caught it because of data, right? Um, and seeing things in the numbers as they reflect and like our revenues were up, but we were like, okay, our quality needs to get better. So what broke, right? And these are things that you can easily recognize as you continue to scale if you have the right tools and people at the end of the day, of course, in place. Yeah, 100%. And I definitely want to dive into how you guys are utilizing data uh, a little bit more. But before we do that, man, you know, just a few minutes ago, you mentioned, you know, this this space being ripe for disruption, right? And you guys came in and you guys really have done that uh, and found your niche, whatever. So what was that need or gap in the marketplace that you guys recognized? Was it just the the data and going from there? Or what did that look like for you guys to know that you could come in confidently and just scale this thing? Yeah, you know, we had been in this space a bit before, but definitely not to this level of scale. And I think what we saw that was very obvious to us at the time is the lack of professional management and the lack of professional attention. Mm. And probably the most important thing to us at the time was no one cared to professionalize this space, right? Gotcha. They had almost accepted the status quo of like, this is how it's supposed to be. And when you ask the question of why it's supposed to be like that, the answers are, well, I only own one property. I have a job. So like, I'm going to kind of just manage this on the side. It's not like their core focus. It's not their baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we asked ourselves, like, how could we make it our baby? And, you know, what's the opportunity? We realized that 99% of the time a short-term rental is being operated by an individual um, or a property manager who don't even have the right incentives with the owner. Right. At the same time, they're not, it's not designed right. It's not being operated right. It's not being priced well. It's not being maintained well. Um, and most importantly, all of the tools and insights that they're using to drive whatever performance they're driving aren't right nor accurate in the marketplace. So all of these things that just, you know, the wheels weren't turning, right? They weren't, mm -hmm. they weren't speaking to another. It's like you had five people in five parts of the world speaking different languages at each other and like no one's understanding each other when there's no common language in between. And to us, those are music to our ears, right? Mm -hmm. Because we were like, well, we could solve that with that, this with this and that with that. And all of a sudden you didn't need to be perfect. You just needed to be slightly better to have significant outsized returns. That to me is what I think of when I think ripe for disruption. It's not about being perfect. It's about being a little bit better than the other guy, right? That's the beginning of institutionalization of an asset class. And don't get me wrong, I think 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to see a lot more professional hosts, right? Mm -hmm. professional right. managers like us over time, right? But we're going to be significantly further ahead with more firsthand level data where we'll have those advantages. But it's, you know, there was STR 1.0 where it was like throw furniture in a room and call it a day, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and then there was like STR 2.0, which is like, okay, like rent out your whole property out and like kind of design it decently. And then I think STR 3.0 is designed well, bought well, operated well, right? With proprietary tools, right? And no one needs proprietary tools unless you got, what, 20, 30, 100 properties. How many people do you know that run 20, 30, 100 properties? Not many. So inherently, right away, you're in a competitive mode by yourself. Yeah, that's that's huge, right? Because you guys have really scaled thing actually very quickly, right? And so, you know, you mentioned data and you guys being able to like process all this data, it really gives you that competitive advantage. When you guys, so I want to take like a, a snapshot of when you guys started this to where you are now. Has that use of data grown? Have you guys been able to really scale that uh, from the beginning to where you are now? I'm like, okay, actually, this is way more powerful than we thought it was going to be initially. 
it's insanely powerful. So uh, I'll kind of give you an example. Inherently, when we first started, uh, our tool would work like, hey, we have a thesis about where we should go buy. And that was it. And we would just gather raw data on that market and we would ingest that data. We'd have to spit it back out into Excel and we'd have to find a way to understand the data, right? That was like kind of phase one, right? Today, what happens is now we can tell our software what markets we're interested in and it can actually tell us almost immediately what properties in that marketplace are available to buy that are ideal short-term rentals. So what we mm. went from is, okay, let you having the software tell me, uh, sorry, having me tell the software what I'm looking for to today, the software is telling me what I should look out for, right? Um, and that's like one small tweak that we start making. But I think actually one of the mo most powerful things in our software today is it's being fed additional streams of data because mm. we are first level data users ourselves. So when the market is telling us this is how we should be performing, what we should be buying, when we go buy that property and we're performing 70% higher than what we expected we'd be doing, which is what we did compared to market in Q2, I think it was like 69%, then now all of a sudden we can feed our technology back that information. And now it's like, well, interesting because that's not what the market is, but here's where you're at. Now, all of a sudden, if you can do that, these properties actually work. Right. Wow. Because and, and now you create a competitive moat. Now we typically don't buy properties if you know outside of like the market dynamics. We want to mm. make sure that the market supports it and we're gonna outperform the market. But it gives us a really interesting hindsight is 2020 kind of thought where like, okay, like maybe we underestimated that. Or you know what? We learned that we should have added a pickleball court as an amenity, and that's why we, you know, we could we actually have a room to run. Um, and so these are all insights you start getting, you start feeding the technology back. But I, I want to make sure I stress that while we have incredible technology, none of it means a damn thing if you don't have the people here, right, to actually understand it and infer it. And real estate will always be a human-driven um, business, in my opinion. And we have some of the best talent here driving from our head of data to our head of acquisition to um, our head of asset management, our head of revenue. All of us work very well together to really drive the performance that the technology allows us to guide us there. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, right? You've really been able to kind of mesh everything together where it's, you know, the technology, but it's also the boots on the ground and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier about uh, what is it, Airbnb 3.0, you know, and, you know, the type of properties and stuff you guys are, are looking at or what this is transitioning into. And, you know, obviously I'm familiar with some of your guys' properties uh, being a part of uh, the fund one, but, you know, the properties I've seen you guys put together are just very impressive, right? And so I want to take a minute for, to hear from you about that. You know, talk to us about the type of property experience your team is focused on bringing to the marketplace. It's really separating yourself from, like, say, these mom and pop operators who are doing uh, short-term rentals themselves. Yeah. So internally, we have this thing called an eight-year North Star, right? And this eight-year North Star allows us to, to, you know, at least predict what we believe eight years from now, what do we believe the experience needs to be to remain competitive? And the reason that eight years is our, is our number is we plan on holding our portfolio for roughly four to six years. Mm. But like you know, we have great fixed rate debt. We can continue holding if need be and a multitude of other reasons that I won't go into right now. But we want to ask ourselves eight years from now, what do we believe? What are the trends? What are the economics? What are the markets? What are the supply channels that we want to have control of and own? And what do those properties look and feel and smell like? right, to be competitive eight years from now. So that's why when you see what we buy in Scottsdale and like pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in the country. In fact, it is the fastest growing sport, right, really ever almost. You know, that's why we start throwing those things in. 
We have golf, which has really grown exponentially post-pandemic. We believe that'll continue to be a thing. So we have mini golf across a lot of our properties. We have golf simulators, right, in some of our awesome. homes. Because all of these things we believe will be continue to be attractions um, and resort-like mini experiences when people are there. We believe that people continuously want to be outside. So, you know, hot tubs and fireplaces and um, gathering areas outside are important to us. These are also things that separate us from, you know, hotels. We buy larger homes oh, yeah. with purpose-built amenities that we do specifically for these types of things. And when you think about internally, like inside the house, we want good gathering areas. We want generally modern appliances, modern fixtures, kind of what you would expect from a class B, right? Type uh, multifamily building. We're not, we don't buy luxury homes. In fact, our average home is a half million dollar give or take home, right? That looks like a million dollar product when we're done with it. Right, because of the the things that we add, and we're very extensive with our renovations and purpose built. Because we ask ourselves eight years from now, this is what the world will want, right? And we're making predictions, but we're using predictions based on data. The other the other cool thing that I'll kind of throw in here is we are our prime demographic, and I think oftentimes people see how young we are. Right, most of our team is like in their like early thirties, maybe late twenties, right? And they're like, "Wow, you're a young team. How can you manage all this money and all this infrastructure?" and while you know, while we have great advisors and we've had great success and great traffickers so far, the other key advantage of being, I guess, this young as quotes as, as I would call it, we're the exact users of, yeah. of these types of properties, right? So we're just, and not only today, we're the exact users eight years from now, right? As well, right. so like us, our demographic, the millennial generation, those types of things, it gives us a really unique perspective. You don't have someone who's you know, with all due respect, a 75-year-old, you know, chairman of the board of some company who says, well, this is what we're going to do because he's so out of touch with, you know, trends and what's important, right? So those are things that give us really strong intuition into what to do next. Well, it's great to hear, you know, especially as you guys are really evaluating the trends and moving forward, what this is going to look like in the future. And you guys are actually planning for the long term, even though you might not hold those properties for that long, right? I think that's what every every investor wants to hear, especially if a passive investor in some sort of deal, right? They're always planning for a longer term than actually projected. So uh, love to hear that, man. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about this before before we jumped on here, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of news, noise, and stuff in in the in the marketplace about short term rentals right now. You know. Um, Stuff about, you know, oversaturated markets and, you know, depending on who you follow, you might even see something about, you know, this impending Airbnb crash that's going on, right? And it's 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 a lot of noise, you know, but, uh, you know, as an operator with a thumb on, on the pulse of all of this stuff being in short-term rentals as you are and your team are, it would be great to hear your opinion on the current kind of just state of short-term rentals in general and, and how you think this is going to play out going forward. Uh, separating the competition, you know, these mom and pop operators, operators from guys like you who are putting together these funds of really just like incredible properties. Yeah, you know, a, a couple things, right? First and foremost, I think while we do run a fund, I want to be very clear that we are very much in touch with the guest experience and we're not that institutional type operator that comes into an industry and loses touch with the guest experience, right? right. Those are things that are really important to us. It's really important to the industry and things we feel very strongly about. But yeah, I think you got to ask yourself really in any industry, right? Really the things I'm about to say are, are applicable to any industry. You have 99% of the market is fragmented, right? And they everyone's doing their own thing without really rules or thoughts or trends or using data to make decisions. They're kind of just winging it, aka what we call moms and pops, right? In, in the real right. estate world. And so when you add that and the fact that we're an institutional operator, that's an immediate separation. 
Um, when you add the fact that we have proprietary data and insights and tooling and first level data access to all these things compared to how they're making decision making, that's another differentiator. When you talk about the fact that we're purpose designing, purpose building and purpose renovating for the use case that we're operating in, that's another differentiator. And the main reason there is most people are cheap, first and foremost. <laughs> Second of all, they don't actually know what to do. And, and you know, they might be cheap. They might not have the knowledge or they may not have the capital to go do a $180,000 renovation to make sure that this is a banging home for the next eight years. Right. right. Those are things that people will consider. So, you know, and I can continue keeping going on and on. You think about property management. Right? How do they maintain a very proper guest experience? Something that we're seeing is quality control is a big thing that Airbnb wants to prioritize over the coming years. How are you doing quality control on your property as an individual that is, you know, maybe six hours away or six thousand miles away? Mm. Right? How are you doing that? It doesn't work for you to hire a full-time person in market for you to run that property because you got one door. It's not profitable. <laughs> right. I can, hire, I can hire a full-time person in that market because we have density and scale. Right. So inherently, I would hope that our quality control is significantly better. Right. And so you start thinking about these things. And I actually think what you're seeing in the industry and some of the data is actually accurate. You had an influx of supply, right, hit the market and demand didn't go up that high. However, when if you look at it as face level data, you might get turned off. However, when you start to realize that the influx of supply wasn't ideal supply, mm -hmm. right? And the supply that people are actually demanding and the things that you should be buying while we are, our comp set and our data set is growing. I'll give you an example. There's over 30,000 listings in Scottsdale, which is a market that we're in. What if I told you only 10% of them met our buy box of things that we would actually compete with? So 90% oh. of the listings in the market, we don't even compete with. And yet there's double the demand for our type of product. So it's Crazy. about understanding the specifics within your market. Again, this is where the hyperlocal comes in. You know, anyone who just buys a, you know, two one condo and says, hey, I'm gonna turn it into an Airbnb and throw some furniture. I mean, you're competing with hotels, you're competing with people on shorter stays. It's just, it's just a whole different game, right? So these are a multitude of the reasons why I think we'll win over the long term, but also another other reasons why I think things that you're seeing in the marketplace and data you're seeing is somewhat accurate, but we are not your mom and pop operator. You get yeah. You guys are definitely playing a different game. So I'm I'm glad you were able to, to point that out because you know there's obviously some confusion with some people who kind of just follow stuff on social media and just take it you know face value. Um, you got to dive dive into it a little bit deeper, man. So I appreciate you going to that level of detail, man. And you know I love what you guys are doing. So what do you guys focus on for the rest of say 2023 or maybe even the six next six to twelve months? What's the focus for you guys over at TechFester? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's really about, I think we've hit that level of, of true optimization, right? Our first fund has been fully launched now, I think now coming up on 45 days, give or take. So it's about optimizing that fund and it's about optimizing our internal processes, right? We're in the middle of raising our second fund, which is obviously open for investment to accredited investors. But a big deal for us is really refining, you know, the mistakes that we've made. And what's awesome is, you know, we've done 120 homes now, you know, somewhere in the pipeline and we know what to do and what not to do. Right. And, and that's a huge benefit. We're even seeing in our second fund property, we got to our first $100,000 a month twice as fast as we got in fund wow. one, just because you start to pick up, you're like, boom, scale, boom, density, boom, you know what to do. You also know what not to do. Right. Wow. Um, and those are things that excite us as we continue to refine our strategy, refine our operations on the ground and really push for additional profitability. We're starting to unlock economies of scale that, you know, much faster than we expected. Right. We were able to drive our electricity down. 
in one of our markets by over 35% by simply calling up the utility provider, right? Because we own two and a half dozen doors in that market, which mm-hmm. we're like, can, you know, we pre-purchased our electricity for the next 24 months. Most people nice. can't do that, right? So like these yeah. are things that you start to think about optimizing process, OPEX, your net operating income, starting to position your portfolio for an eventual exit, at least giving you the option to, we're having a lot more conversations with institutions because they're like, hey, this is really interesting. I would never want to go build this. But wow, <laughs> you've kind of gotten here and I might be interested in buying it, which was exactly our thesis. Right. right? To start when we started the company is if we could go build it, the institutions actually want to own it right over time. Right. But they mm-hmm. don't want to go build it because they can't. It doesn't make logical or economical sense to build it, but it makes a lot of economical sense to own it. Right. So these are things that we, you know, we were exploring, we're considering, but we're also just having a lot of fun. Right. I think our, we've experienced a lot of team growth. We have some incredible people. We've been really privileged to retain nearly every single person that we've wanted to and that we've hired. Um, and we, you know, we want to make sure we maintain that team culture as we continue to grow. Yeah. You know, it's been really impressive watching you guys do what you're, what you're doing. Right. And we've only been following along for a short period of time, but man, it's, it's really impressive, man. And, you know, just seeing the updates and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really cool, man. So I hope you guys keep crushing it. You know, we're going to be right there with you, you know, on the, on the LP side for sure. But uh, man, just awesome to see what you guys are doing. But uh, listen, this has been a great conversation, Steve. Before we get out of here, tell the listeners how they can find out more about TechVestor you and get in touch if they, if they'd like to find out more. Yeah, first of all, Danny, thank you so much for having us. Uh, you can find more about TechFester at techfester.com. You can request an invite, learn more about the investment if it's a good fit for you. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Our entire team leads with an educational first mentality. So if you have questions, concerns, comments, thoughts, anything you want to share, drop us an email, reach out to us. We're an incredible open book. All our data is public that we share. So we are as transparent as can be. And we uh, we hope to welcome you as an investor if it's a good fit, or at least welcome a conversation if it's not. Absolutely. Highly recommend everybody go check out TechVestor stuff. Jump on that website. Go through all their stuff, man. It's it's, it's really impressive. So, uh, Steve, once again, man, it's been a great conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks again, Danny. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.